Welcome to Bachelor Party. I'm Juliette Littman. I am joined today by Rachel Lindsay. Hi, Rach. Hey, Juliet. Can I just say this is the first time we podcast where I am now a fellow Ringer family member. Yeah. I just have to bring that up now. I'm part of the family. <laughs> I know. I'm so happy you're here. I did feel different asking you to the pod today because I was like, yeah, it's like all, all part of the family. Um, but of course, you've been on many times before. Uh, it's yes. always a blast. My favorite probably was when we did it on your um, hotel room bed last year. <laughs> did you talk about the fantasy suites? <laughs> but I just thought, you know, on this pod... You and I, and I try as much as I can to call out and discuss and highlight like the the racist racial problems mm-hmm. on The Bachelor. And I couldn't keep doing this podcast, and I don't think we could keep covering the show without addressing that in light right. of what's happening right now in the world with protests and um, Black Lives Matter and the spotlight on pr- police brutality and needing to end it. And so... Yeah. You know, I, I think it's it's just something I wanted to talk about, and we'll I think walk walk through it and see where we land. And it's definitely going to be an ongoing conversation that I think I, I hope will continue to evolve on this pod because I think part of what's happening right now in this movement and in this moment is that there there is a clear acknowledgement that we need deep systemic change. And so maybe the Bachelor seems removed from that, but in my opinion, it's not. It's tied into it, and. Um, there's a lot to to dig into. So let's do it. So I guess yes. my first my first question is, do you feel any pause about continuing to be a part of Bachelor Nation? And by that I mean being doing your bachelor podcast and like participating in official bachelor events. Great question, Juliet. So I might be on this podcast more often if if um <laughs> if I get in trouble for the things I say. But I, I, it's we're in such a crazy time and a crazy time because people are now starting to, and by people, I mean non-Black people are starting to recognize things we've been screaming about for decades, centuries in some cases. And I'm a part of that. And I, I, I wake up and I, I have these conversations with friends and Brian and I talk about how I am conflicted being a part of a franchise that needs systemic change. Yeah. They're they're part of the problem. And yes. there's no way to talk around it. You have to speak directly to it. And I am affiliated with this franchise, which means I'm representative of it. And in some ways, I feel like I my silence has been complicit and I've been a little bit a part of the problem. We all know I'm extremely vocal, but there are certain things that I could speak more towards. And there are things that I sometimes act like it's not happening. And it is. And uh, granted, it can it, I can only say so much, and it can't just be me. But I am very conflicted about moving forward with the Bachelor franchise if I don't see some sort of change. At this point, the Bachelor has you're seeing what's happening. The franchise is seeing what's happening. The higher ups, how do you not feel like you're contributing to it? How do you not feel like okay? At this point, the world is watching we need to change something. And maybe that's the, it, it shouldn't have taken this to push you to do that, but you can't look at what's happening and not think we have to do something as well. Right. I, so to answer your, your question, I can't continue if it doesn't, if I don't see some sort of change. And what would that be in terms of the bachelor? Cause you know, I think obviously with um, the broader movement and the broader protests, and I, I want to just name it, which is to end police brutality and to acknowledge black lives matter fully mm-hmm. by everyone to mm-hmm. move forward with a more just and, and equal society. Like that's what we're talking about. And the bachelor 
is is not a part of that right right now. And it's you know it's funny because like I see Mike Fleiss retweeting all of these. Oh yeah, um, really supportive and pro Black Lives Matter and pro protest tweets, and that's great because he does have a platform. Um, but then you look at the show, and there has never been a Black Bachelor. You are the only Black Bachelorette. There have been, um, I believe, twenty four bachelors and Claire will be the 16th bachelorette. Yep. Um, there's only been a, a few, uh, black people who've made it to the top four. And I think moreover coming out of the show, it's very clear the black contestants have a smaller social media following. And that's something that I bring up a lot because it's really relevant. It's an indicator of who the audience cares about. And it's tied to, to income because you can leverage your social media following to make money after the show. It's like one of the reasons to go on it. Mm-hmm. So, and there's also like a feeling of tokenism with the show, right? Like people joke about it, but it's like time to stop joking about how it's like, oh, by week three, all but two people of color will be off. The show. Sure. It's, and, and those are the things that we, we struggle with. I struggle with, I don't want to speak for you. Um, and it needs to be addressed. And so I, I guess like, how do they start addressing that? I think it's twofold. I talked to a group of DePaul University students yesterday, and they were saying to to me that they feel conflicted watching the show because they know that there's there are things that are wrong with it, yet they continue to support it. So I think it's twofold. On one end, for me, what I need to see, I need to see the franchise recognize that they've been part of the problem. Don't just try to slap a Band-Aid on it by giving us a Black Bachelor, because then you're like, okay, we did it. You know, we heard you. It shouldn't have taken this point to get to a Black Bachelor. You brought up how many seasons there are. So right now, they have casted leads for 40 seasons. In one of 40 seasons, you have had a person of color that's been the lead. That's literally on par for the presidency. Like, if they continue in this way, you have a better chance of becoming the president of the United (laughs) States as a person of color than to be the lead of this franchise. That is insane. That is ridiculous. I never thought about it in those terms, but obviously you're so right. You're so right. I thought about it in the shower this morning because I was just thinking about coming on this podcast and, you know, like the the context of what we were talking about. And I, I uh, were talking about the Bachelor franchise and I it's it's crazy. So I need the franchise to recognize that they have been part of the problem and stop excusing, stop making excuses saying, oh, people of color don't make it as far and it's up to the lead's choice. Oh, we have a problem casting people of color because they aren't interested in this show. No, because you've had opportunities at this point. And I spoke about this last season after seeing what you did in Paradise and how you brought in Christian, who isn't even a part of the show, yeah, to establish uh, a relationship between two women. Then I know that you have the power to do absolutely anything that you want to. Prior to the format of the show now, you were picking leads. So you could have picked a person of color. There is absolutely no excuse other than you want to play into an audience that you feel like is receptive to a certain lead that looks a certain way. That's point blank period what it is. It's a business, it's money, and you're playing into that. You bring up a couple of things. The audience, I think, is one that you've had to address a lot lately in the wake of mm-hmm. Hannah Brown using the N-word. And, you know, I, I interviewed Demi last week. I got to break the Colton and Cassie breakup news to her. Um, Oh, and I, did. yeah, we were, we were, we were recording, um, when that happened, we'll, we'll air that eventually. But, you know, I, I did ask her, she mentioned Hannah. So I asked her like what she thought and what Hannah did is unequivocally wrong and, and disgusting. Um, but also at this point, like 
let's not talk about it any further. Like it just sort of like, doesn't it deserve the attention because there's much right. bigger things happening again. That's part of the problem, but like, whatever it's, it's Hannah. Um, but I think it, the bigger issue it speaks to is who the bachelor audience is because you exactly. got, you got so much pushback for being, um, for holding honest. somebody accountable for doing something wrong. Yes. Thank you <laughs> for, you, for holding her accountable. And that was seen as like bullying, which is in, insane. And so how, how do, how do we start to shift the audience of The Bachelor? And and that also speaks to what you're saying. It goes beyond one time picking a black lead because you were the lead. And I still see like women like Natasha Parker and even Tasha, who was on Paradise and is very popular, still have like way smaller followings. Um, yeah. And how do we start shifting the audience? You have to, I don't think you can shift. You're not going to change the audience that you have. They are what they are. But you have to appeal to a certain audience if you want to attract a different audience. And if you're continuing to push out the same product every single season, then you're going to continue to have the audience that you have at this point, which I think the franchise should be embarrassed about. You know, it's an audience and not every, let me just say this, not everybody who is a fan of Bachelor Nation is this way. And sometimes we hear the negative more than we hear the positive. I do recognize that. I get a lot of positive feedback. Uh, particularly from your audience who listens to this (laughs) podcast. But there is a sector of the audience that you see, you know, like you said, when it comes to who follows us, people of color on the show have significantly less following than people who aren't of color. Um, The headlines that are chosen, that's part of the issue too. If you don't follow me and you're new to Bachelor franchise and you just read the headlines of me, I sound like the angriest pessimistic person in the world. You would think that I hated the Bachelor franchise and I have no friends in it. It's all part of these things, these subtle forms of racism (laughs) that play into it. But I told the, the, the students that I was talking to, I said, if you have a problem with it, then be a part of the change. Don't sit back and recognize it. You have to be vocal. It can't be me. You have to be vocal and speak about the change that you want to see. I do think that there was a huge movement for Mike. A lot of people were extremely vocal in wanting Mike, and it still didn't make a difference. So that's when it's on the franchise. I I would say if you took a poll, people by far wanted Mike over Peter. Yeah, I think Mike Mike was really popular. I I did not want Mike. I was like, I found him boring. But, you know, that probably was wrong. Like, probably the, the... I think it I think it was wrong. The value of having Mike would have would have been extremely significant and P- oh, it turned out to be wrong about Peter. Peter was a bad bachelor. <laughs> like <laughs> like when you when I look back on the Peter season, the drama that was fabricated for it, it must have been even more boring and and like chaotic than people realize because you look back and you realize that like this the storylines that kind of dominated the back third of the season, which is usually what becomes a legacy of a, of a, of a given season, right? Mm-hmm. Is is like all producer machinations of like springing Madison on Peter in LA and having Madison leave and relying on his mom to like be dramatic and like all this weird stuff. Like Peter was clearly a really bad bachelor. I think we can, we can say that with certainty. Yeah. And what makes a good bachelor, like is still kind of up for debate. I I think actually the good, the good men, like who are people who are good guys end up being the best bachelors. Like my, the people who I'm like, that was a fun season. Like, you know, I think Nick is a good guy. I think Nick wants to be a better person and in his own way tries. I mm-hmm. think Jason Mesnick is like a good dude. And like, yeah, that, that, that was a really good season. And so, you know, it's just sort of like what makes a good bachelor, I think is usually just like picking a compelling person that people can rally around. 
Peter was not that. And people had rallied around Mike and, and they, they probably, sh- they, not probably, they should have picked him. You're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, and that was, that was a huge, that was a huge mistake. And I think that that's my issue with the franchises. You have given us so many excuses as to why. And there really, there, there are no more excuses left. At this point, it is you. And I think that they are having a hard time recognizing that they are the problem. It is yeah. not a lead bringing a person of color along. It is not, like, you can make anybody fall in love. Hannah was, what, number 10, 9? And they picked her. And there was outrage behind that. But you created a narrative around her to make her become, by social media numbers, the most popular bachelorette. Yeah. They can do anything that they want to do. Yeah. I think in some ways, it's almost harder for um, black men to go further on the show than for black women. Not not necessarily like having to compare, but, you know, Mike didn't make it to the final. And I think that's, it's pretty, it's or the final four. Even as I talk this out, I feel so disgusted with the language I'm using of like having to like rank and high and like create this hierarchy of people. Like I I feel like just like I'm like, what am I talking about? Like there's something so much bigger happening in the world than like where do you rank in in like getting sent home on The Bachelor? But no, but it is so relevant though, Juliet, because this franchise is huge. I mean, the the class that I was talking to has an entire semester dedicated to the Bachelor franchise and the ins right. and the outs of it. It has, it is so intersected with, with society and culture at this point that it is something to talk about because the running joke is, oh, black people don't go far on that show. Yeah. So it is part of the problem, even if it is a small part, it still perpetuates this thinking that it's okay to not put black people in a certain, on a certain level in your franchise. Well, I I have a couple questions on that. Like, when you were the lead and also a contestant, did you feel that you were treated differently because you are black? Ooh, good question, Juliet. <laughs> I don't, ooh, how do I answer this? I don't want to say I was treated differently. Part of me doesn't want to say I was treated differently, but then a part of me is like, I know I could get away with certain things that another lead couldn't. I know that they were more sensitive to me then they were another lead because I was the first and nobody wanted to get it wrong. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And and yeah. that's and that's a positive thing I'm I'm giving towards the franchise. They didn't want to mess this up. Um they didn't want to be insensitive to me. They asked me, so these are these are positive things. They asked me a lot of questions. They wanted to make sure that they did things right. They asked for my input. I mean, I've said this before, there weren't any black producers on the show. They brought in 3 for my season. And it Shout should out to our friend Zoe Jackson. Yes, Zoe. Um, they should have who then left right after my season. <laughs> I, I think that they tried to take the right steps. And so I will commend them for that. Even if it is late, they were still trying to do things right on my season. But I think that, that, that I, I had a long leash. Right, right. I, and I think that, that then that sort of speaks to kind of one of the deeper problems that a lot of people a lot of black people have pointed out in the last week as all of all of white people like me are like, you know, getting activated to being a part of this movement in a more constructive and and thoughtful and significant way, which is it's not just about like the moments in which you make the effort, but it's about how you sustain the effort. Right. Because mm-hmm. obviously with you, they made it, but has it been sustained? I, from my no. vantage point, it seems like no. So it's not enough to just do it once. And that's sort of 
that's the question at the heart of this in terms of continuing to be a part of the bachelor economy is like, what can we do as people with a platform to talk about it, to call it out? And then also, you know, I, I have no creative control over the show, obviously. So what do, what do you do to make sure that there actually is a, a difference in going forward in terms of like showing different, and this is cheesy, but like, I definitely feel I've been impacted like in some sick way of how I think about relationships from like studying the bachelor and covering it, like mm-hmm. even, in ways I probably don't acknowledge. And that's like hard to, hard to admit. Cause I know it's so fake or whatever, but like, how do you show different kinds of relationships and different kinds of love stories? And you know, you and Brian, are an interracial couple and like that's that's probably should be on the show more and like h- how do you how do we like get get them there i think it's all about about the type of leads that you pick so are you picking the type of lead who you know is going to have a good story are you picking the type of lead that you know that you can manipulate or are you picking the type of lead that genuinely is open to any type of relationship that steps out of that limo i will say that that's claire I know for a fact, Claire is very open in who truly open in the type of men that she dates. I can't go back and say that. If you're the bachelor or the bachelorette and you've never dated outside your race, why would you, why are you going to do it on national TV? You know, like we know that you're doing it because you have to, but that is a question that they ask you in casting. Are you open to dating outside your race? Who's going to say no? You know, if you say no, you're out. You say yes. Okay. You have a chance, but are you really interested in falling for someone. I I didn't watch the show before, but I remember going through things during my season. And I remember when I got the first impression rose and a girl pulled me to the side and was like, a black girl's never, a black person has never gotten the first impression rose before. I was like, oh, wow. Then when I went as far as I did, I was told a black person has never gone as this far. I was top three. They were like, oh yeah, Jubilee before that was like nine or 10. So no one had even crossed into top 10 at that point. And then on my season, I brought Eric and that's the farthest a black guy has ever gone still to this point. Right. You know, so it's, it is going right back to what it was before. And the reason that you, I was able to do that or Nick was able to do that because you were actually interested in people who didn't look like you. You got to start casting leads that, and, and they know, they know this in casting. And I think that's where it starts. I think that's also, I mean, I think as you get older, you get more open-minded to different people, ideas, experiences. I think that's another reason to age up the franchise again. And one of the reasons why Claire is is a good bachelorette choice is not only because she's like an open-minded person, but she just has like more life experience. And I, exactly. I think I think that, you know, protest movements tend to be driven by young people who are really impassioned and and I'm grateful for them and I'm grateful for everyone who's out there protesting every day. Um, but I, but I think when it comes to dating, there is something to be said for an open-mindedness that comes as you just have, you're more familiar with different types of people. A lot of people grow up in a bubble and that's okay. I grew up in a bubble in New York city, you know, and Mm -hmm. wherever that might be. And like, it's on you as an adult to like expand your horizons and like meet other people. And I guess you need, you need to be cast casting those people on the show. Yeah. I mean, I think what they've been doing lately is casting people who are trying to find themselves and they are finding themselves in the middle of the show. Now, does that make for great drama? Yeah, because they don't even know who they are and they're trying to figure themselves out. So they're making these mistakes all along the way. But then when it comes to actually finding a relationship that can last forever, that's why it doesn't work out because these people don't even know who they are. Yeah. It's so funny that you say that. Another reason why Peter was like a terrible bachelor. And obviously the producers knew this and they didn't want it. 
he wasn't looking to find, find himself. The person he is currently dating, he met before this show and he I went know. to her as soon as it was an option, which is actually totally fine. I would have preferred to have seen that play out than like this totally like bizarre and fake manipulation of, I don't know. It's just sort of was like everything went too, went wrong with Peter's season. But like that speaks to also yeah. like him as Bachelor, where he just like was not really looking to like find something he seemed very easily easily manipulated i think that was pretty evident right but when you were a contestant you spoke to how you felt as a lead like if they treated you differently and it sounds like it was actually overall positive do you think as a contestant it was different um i felt the same as a contestant i was so confused as a contestant (laughs) because i didn't watch the show i remember i didn't know what the first impression rose was I didn't, I, I mean, I I was just so clueless that I was more concerned with the producers trying to manipulate me because that was my fear and they didn't. But that was my fear more than recognizing, I guess that, oh, a, a black person's never gone this far because I didn't know those things until somebody pointed it out to me. So I never felt different. It's It's such a different, being a contestant is totally different from being the lead. Mm-hmm. It just is. Like you're more caught up in the sisterhood and does this guy really like me? And you're just trying to get through the week than you, you are. Did else. you care? It's hard for me knowing you being friends. It's hard for me to imagine you on the show, like being genuinely worried about like, does this guy like me? I just feel like that's not you. <laughs> it didn't hit me until <laughs> I was about to go see my family. Hmm. So that's the beauty of the separation of, because you know, they separate you when you yeah. do hometowns and then you're never with the girls again or guys, depending on the season. That's when it gets real. And that's the genius of the structure of the show. Like you're you're so enthralled with having a good time. Like, oh, I can't wait to get back to my girls and tell them what happened. You're not really focused on the relationship. And then when they separate you and you go see your family and you have to start having these tough questions and you're sitting with the producer and they're talking engagement and fantasy suite and you know, what are you going to say to him if you're the last one left? It's like, okay, now it's getting real. And it's like, does he really like me? Really? I guess I never, you don't, it, it's it's so weird. It's it's a crazy social experiment. We talked about this before, but yes, yes, I did start thinking like that. That's does so he really funny. like me? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's fantasy suite. That means he's with her tonight. What? Yeah, you do. You totally, or at least for me, I totally started thinking that because I expected my family to check me. I was going to go home and they were going to be like, Rachel, what are you doing? And they were like, we like him. He's really nice. He was able to hang in there with us when we kind of poked at him a bit. And I thought, oh, my God, even my family likes him. Maybe, maybe, maybe I need to start thinking about this a different way. That's so funny. It's just like I like I know you and I just feel like you like do you do you in a good way. <laughs> I d- you know, you you question it and then you go on these dates with the lead yeah. and then they reassure you in your feelings. Yeah. And then you're like, okay. And I was just having so much fun. Like at the end of the day, and Nick and I are still friends. We got along so well. So we had such a good friendship. I never was like, oh, we're going to get married. But I was just like, I'm just having a really good time. <laughs> I mean, and that's like the beginning of a good relationship. It's like, this is really fun. I want to do it more. It doesn't have yeah. to be like, okay, I see us getting married in 10 weeks or whatever. But that is the side of, of a good relationship. That's interesting. I mean, it, it's so funny. I, I think that the, this, again, like just the, through this conversation highlights to me, at least that so much of it is just like this ingrained behavior that needs to be like so deeply rooted out for a, a broader overhaul and change because it's because there it's it's the system of how the show works, like so many other systems that are 
um, part of the problems of inequality. And, you know, I, I think that it also probably is necessary to change how we talk about the show. And like, like you said, to not just be like, Oh, of course, no more black people. Like when, um, listen to your heart was happening. Like, I think like four people of color were eliminated in week three or week two. Mm -hmm. And then there was, and then the only person left was Chris who's black. And we, we remarked on it, but kind of like moved on quickly as like, just accepting it. Like that's like part of the bachelor and necessary next time to not move on so quickly from it. I think also I, I thought about listen to your heart and I was happy to see an interracial couple at the end of it. And having talked to Chris and Brie, they are so head over heels for each other. They're really cute. Um, I, it didn't hit me as much with listen to your heart because I was just kind of like the people who were eliminated. I understood why, yeah. while they were eliminated. But what I did appreciate with listen to your heart is that to me, when the show started with 20 contestants, it was a little bit more reflective of what the real world looks like. People weren't coming in looking like models and stars and they weren't glammed out with makeup and their appearance. Like people were all shapes and sizes and colors. And that was very refreshing for me to see on Listen to Your Heart. And they were talented, which is also nice. I know. I kept, I kept saying that the whole run. I was like, they have a discernible skill, which makes me like all of them more, which is exactly. like, they're, they're good at this. But that's fun. Another thing you mentioned, I was talking to one of my friends this morning, just we were just chatting about like, I was explaining why I hate the Kardashians so much. And I, <laughs> I hate, I hate them because they establish a standard of beauty that is literally impractical and impossible. And it's just about like deprivation of self. I mean, like when Khloe Kardashian reveal, reveals her diet, and how much money you have to buy makeup and also literally change your body and face. And like, I find that sick. And like the fact that like that's peddled to teenagers is really, really upsetting to me. But what Mm -hmm. you just said really resonates. It's also about having just people who don't look like the same and don't have like what quote unquote Instagram face and aren't all size four or less on the show. And like having just like way, a way broader spectrum of of people and, and races and, and appearances like the insidiousness of like Instagram face drives me crazy. I like, I look forward to this era being over and like, I don't fully understand Billie Eilish. I'm the first person to admit that, but I do appreciate that her, that her aesthetic is so different and connecting with so many young people. And I think that I was thinking about this while you're just talking about that. There is a movement for change in certain things. Okay. The me too movement changed a lot of things. What we're seeing right now is having, if you don't step in line, it's like you're getting canceled immediately. I've we've seen it. I'm seeing it happen in the sports world. My alma mater just literally rescinded someone's scholarship because of a Snapchat post they posted that was insensitive about George Floyd, immediately taken away. It's like things, you're getting canceled. And I hate that term, but I can't think I of another word right now. I can't think of another word right now. We know what you mean. Um, but you're, you're basically being held accountable for the things that you're doing wrong. And I think that people you're seeing a shift in the way people change. And I'm bringing this back to, it is becoming more relatable and refreshing to see people not glammed up, not using a filter, talking to you with their hair messed up and just in sweats, like, or a Billie Eilish who wears, she talks about the clothes that she wears because even though they are all like Gucci Designer, out, yeah. <laughs> but she Ariana still doesn't Grande want is like that too. Like, you just see the pictures of her protesting. Yeah. I was like, first of all, I was like, I love Ariana Grande. That's awesome. I was like, She's wearing these giant sweats, and I was like, probably like thousands of dollars of, of athleisure <laughs> on her right now. But anyway, but it's back also to your like, point. don't focus on my body. Yeah, just focus on what I'm saying or what I'm doing. And I think that there is a movement towards that where people are a little bit more tired 
with, and I see it as, you know, being categorized. I hate being categorized as an influencer, but yes, technically I fall into that bucket. I am seeing it where people are saying, be relatable. People want to understand you and see what you're like in your everyday life. Not when you're glammed up. They want to know what you look like with no makeup on. When your hair's, when you wake up in the morning, when your hair's messed up, when you work out, when you're sweaty, that's what kids want to see. And I'm hoping that that movement continues as well. We're seeing a shift in the world to me in the right direction. I hope so too. Um, this is also kind of funny. Relatedly, this season of the challenge, uh, I don't know if you watch the challenge, but I don't, but my sister does. <laughs> oh, tell her to listen to this podcast. If she's okay. interested. Um, the season of the challenge, they're like living in a bunker in, in the Czech Republic. Totally coincidental. It's like, it like mirrors the quarantine moment. It's totally coincidental. It's super weird, but it's, it's not like an exotic tropical paradise. So there's been no one in the hot tub. There's mostly shows the men and women in like sweats and athleisure and like not as not as made up. And Mm -hmm. it was very noticeable to me. And I was at first I was like, what the fuck? Like, where's like where like the hot people in in hot tubs? But, you know, I do think it's it reflects that actually like the clothes that people wear to feel comfortable and like when they are their most comfortable is actually being shown in this season. And and that's a positive. I mean, I also as someone who has invested heavily in sweatshirts. That's definitely good, <laughs> good, good for me, but it's, it actually, I, I've remarked on it. And like this conversation has made me see it in a different light of actually like, no, it's not bad that they're not having like hot makeups, makeouts in the hot tubs. Like let's actually embrace this and I see it for what it is. That's, that's a good point. I think, I, I think I'm, I'm grateful. And also I'm grateful for how many things I'm like starting to see in a different light, but also like kind of embarrassed by it. I'm like, why didn't I see it that way before? But that's, that's also the point I think of what's happening right now. So it's just a, important to keep reevaluating. And, and then really that's like why I want to talk about the bachelor because it's, it's still going to be popular, right? Like it's still going to be a show that people Absolutely. will be excited to have whenever it comes back after coronavirus and production restarts. And I think, understanding what people care about and then knowing how you can like contribute to changing the conversation around it or opening up the conversation yeah. is something, is something to be conscious of. Like as I move forward doing this podcast, I mean, another question I, I also had for you, we've talked about this before and I think it comes up a lot is like, I asked you to be on the show today cause you're my friend and also my, my uh, co-ringer network ringer <laughs> podcaster. But I, it seems like you're just so often the one who's called upon to like be the the voice of, anti-racism in Bachelor Nation. Like, how are you feeling about that right now? I, another great question, Juliet. (laughs) I, it's, I'm torn, right? It, can it be exhausting? Is it a bit of a burden? Yes. But I also feel honored and privileged that I have a platform to be able to do it. I've always been this way. Now It's just now everybody's recognizing it. You know, it wasn't going out to march for George Floyd and talk about injustices. I was marching before this. You know, there just wasn't social media or a camera in front of me or a platform to recognize it. I am happy when people ask me questions. I am happy. I try to look at it as you're trying to learn and you're trying to unlearn the bubble that you might have been living in. So I am not that person to criticize you like you should have known this or you know better. I'm just happy that you're willing to grow. And that's where I have, and like, so to me, it yeah, it might be exhausting. Yeah, it can be tiring, but I, I'd rather take it as a privilege. I do wish there were other people in Bachelor Nation who looked like me, 
who would who look like me who would say something. I do wish there are people that don't look like me that would step up and say something. Now I have to say I am seeing it way more than I have before. Ben Higgins had the most passionate video. I don't know if you saw it. I, I wrote didn't. him. I wrote him. He was so frustrated because he was doing a live and people were writing All Lives Matter constantly in his comments. And he went off. And he was like, why don't you get it? And he goes, frankly, if you're going to keep doing that, don't follow me. <gasps> ben Higgins? That's I, awesome. I just... I was so moved by it. I wrote him. I was just like, thank you for saying that. And it has been really refreshing to see people like that use their voice. But then I also have to check myself and say, everybody isn't you, Rachel. Not everybody's like, oh, I'm sorry. Is that a microphone? Let me tell you what I got to say. And I have to respect that people have their own version of speaking out. And it might not look like it it, the same way it does with me with a microphone and a camera in your face. Um, so I have to respect that it might be through donating, volunteering, educating your children, reading up and learning to where you do feel comfortable speaking out. So I, I am happy to see some people stepping out of their comfort zone to do it. And I hope that it starts a trend in the right direction that more people will do it. So it doesn't have to be me. Right. I got to check out Ben's video. Yeah. That's great. I'm going to, I'm going to send it if I can find it. Cause I was tagging it. I'll try to send it to you. Okay, cool. And yeah, I mean, I think it's also incumbent on, upon people like me to to have a, a wider array of guests on the show and not just like the same people over and over again, but a much a much broader spectrum of people who have an experience. Like, you know, I haven't had Natasha on. I haven't had Tasha on. And I think it's important to... And, and I've mentioned both of them, um, but obviously there's there's others from this past season. Sydney, mm-hmm. Deandra, like there's plenty, plenty of women from Peter's season who could have been on this podcast, you know? So it's important to hear from more of them. And I'm going to work harder at that too. I guess like just circling back to the beginning, like what do you think is, is the next step for bachelor podcasters and bachelor fans? And there might, and and there might not be a single answer to that, you know? Well, I, I think it goes back to that twofold thing. As a viewer, if you aren't satisfied with what you're seeing, then you need to be vocal and you need to speak out about it. You know, I, my, my initial reaction would be like, don't watch it, you know, boycott it. But then I'm like, well, I, knowing the people behind the camera, I know that there are families that depend on this show. There are good people behind the camera who have been working on this show for over a decade. So that shouldn't be, I don't want to put people out of work. I don't want to put people out of a job. The answer should be, if you want to see something different, then demand a change. Use your voice. I think that could really, the viewers could really make a huge impact by doing that. On the other end, it can't, and I think I told the students as I keep referencing this, but I told them, don't let it live in a Reddit circle. Don't let it live in your friend group or you know, even in this podcast discussion, be more vocal. Now is the time people are doing this. And on the franchise side, I expect, and I said this last year when they didn't pick Mike, I expect to see a Black Bachelor for season 25. But even beyond that, start picking people who actually want to date all kinds of people. Start picking people who know who they are and who know what they want and are open-minded about the type of relationship that they can have on the end of this show. Start, stop perpetuating this image of what the lead looks like to an audience that is happy to to receive that 
and only wants to be receive that. It's they that audience is like, don't touch, don't touch the Bachelor franchise. It's great. This is why it's been on for so many years. No, it's a problem. And I think that they need to come out and make a statement that they have been part of the problem and that they're going to do better. And stop hiding racial issues under the rug, right? Like, why couldn't we talk about Victoria Fuller? Why couldn't I talk about her on my podcast? Why couldn't I? And she has stepped out and said that she's wrong. She has said that she's learned and she has spoken out in support of Black Lives Matter. But why are we not addressing that? Why aren't we talking about that? Why didn't they release some type of statement when the Hannah Brown situation came out? You know, make your non, your contestants of color feel like you have their back and appreciated because we don't. I don't feel that way. It's true. And you know, it's, it's not that different from sports teams where, you know, like exactly. then it's been reported that the Knicks are really upset that James Dolan hasn't put out a statement and, and you know, completely understandable. It's not that different. Like you, you want to hear when you are like a player on the team that you're, that the organization has your back. And so, and you know, and I do think there are some ways that that can be, that can be communicated in, in ways that maybe don't have to do with social media. And I, I firmly get that and, and understand that. But I, I do think when you are a me, like a, entertainment entity like that, like those kind of statements would have, would have been powerful. It's those, that's yeah. a really, really great point. I, I can't say anything better. So <laughs> Rachel, <laughs> it's true. I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, why didn't they call up Victoria? I mean, also, you know, like when, with Lee on your season, like what the fuck, like that was, they had terribly. me do it. They yeah. had me confront him and call it out. It's like, no, why don't you say we made a mistake? We should have done more of a thorough research, not have a blatant racist on the season. Yeah. It's yeah, you're right. We need to be hearing more from the show itself and its producers. And like, if Mike Fleiss is going to be tweeting right now, like let's hear from him next time this happens. And it's not just like a, a, a no media zone. Yeah. I will say Mike Fleiss has said, let's also not have it happen again. Sorry. I interrupted yeah. you. <laughs> no, no, no. I will say Mike Fleiss. I remember like a New York times, New York post article asked him, what do you think about Rachel's season and how the ratings were lower? And he said, I think it's very indicative as to the type of audience that we have in a Trumpish kind of way. If you know that, then why are you continuing to play into it? Right. It was a great statement, but now let's act on it. Thank you so much, Rachel. I um, Thanks really, for having me. Yeah. Um, please listen to Rachel and Van Lathan on their new podcast, Higher Learning, wherever you get your podcast. Um, I think it'll be coming on a little bit more often now that we're... Uh, not only friends, but, but, uh, co-podcasters. <laughs> and, uh, I really, I really appreciate this conversation. Thank you for having it with me. No, thank you for giving me the platform to do it. <laughs>